Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So we're going to look at a few passages about spiritual gifts. And we could probably teach a four-week series on the spiritual gifts, and I'm just going to hit some highlights. If you will turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. On your handout, I've highlighted a few passages that are about spiritual gifts, and we're going to touch on 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 1. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. And I'm going to skip around just a little, but I'm going to tell you where I'm going. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware Verse 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body Though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but is many. The body is not one member, but is many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And if you'll skip down to verse 27, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. There are some things that stick out in this passage. First of all, there's this repetition of one. And then there's the repetition of the whole. You see the repetition of who it is that's giving the gifts. It's the Spirit. For by one Spirit, you see that He gives to each one. Touch yourself. Say, I'm one. (laughs) I'm one. I'm in each one. You're part of the body, but we are all one. We are the each ones that he's talking about. Nobody gets left out. It doesn't say that there's any um, exceptions for you. (laughs) Okay, let me get my presentation up. I've been praying that this technology would work. Oh, beautiful. So my message today, praise the Lord, an answered prayer. My message today is called Calling where burdens and talents collide. And I wanted to start with just a simple definition of spiritual gifts, and I didn't have the time to go all into the Greek and study it out, so I Googled spiritual gifts. Wikipedia had a great definition. (laughs) So we're going to go with that because I read it and, and it was right. So let's see. Okay. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is an endowment or extraordinary power given by the Holy Spirit. These are the supernatural graces which individual Christians need to fulfill the mission of the church. In the narrowest sense, it is a theological term for the extraordinary graces given to individual Christians for the good of others. The gifts are related to both seemingly natural abilities 
and seemingly more miraculous abilities empowered by the Holy Spirit. What I love about this definition is it touches on the term grace. Because in Ephesians 3, when Paul says he was called to be a minister of the gospel, he said, according to the grace given to me. Over and over, he repeats in his calling, there was a grace. Anything that you do where God has equipped you and sent you, you are doing it by a supernatural grace. There's two kinds of grace. There is grace that's God's kindness to undeserving sinners, to undeserving people, that free gift of grace, which is our salvation. But there's also an empowering grace that enables you to do what God has called you specifically to do. It's the Holy Spirit in you. It is an empowering grace. It sends you. It sends you. I love in the Passion Translation, we're getting ready to look at also Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 3 and 4. But Paul says, grace alone empowers me. Grace alone empowers me so that I can boldly preach. So I love that this definition has grace. Supernatural gifts are a divine strength or ability to do something God has called you to do. And on your handout, I've listed four of the main passages where you can study this more. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4 that we're going to look at a little today, and 1 Peter 4. And I want to say up front, there are going to be some terms that I use interchangeably because they, they run together a little bit. There are talents that we are born with. I'll use my husband for an example. As a child, he loved to draw. He loved to draw. And then there was a mentor that we had that saw some of his work in church and encouraged him to do this. Now, when he comes up front and draws, that is, he's using a, a spiritual gift of prophecy. The Lord gives him a vision and he draws it. If the Lord didn't, if that supernatural grace didn't come, there'd be nothing that day. It'd be blank. But at the same time, he has honed his skills. We get up every morning at five o'clock. I make note cards and drink my coffee, and he draws, unless the puppy wants to sit in the recliner. If the puppy wants to sit in the recliner, he might have to sit in the recliner at five in the morning. But otherwise, he's honing his skills. So there are skills. There are talents or abilities or inclinations that we're born with, leanings. And then there's Holy Spirit that comes in to empower. When I was in the first grade, I was chicken little in the play. I have always liked the lights. <laughs> I have always liked the microphone. The sky is falling. I have always enjoyed this. Always. But for me to stand before you and say something boldly that's going to step on your toes, that is a spiritual gift because I'm terrified of all of you. <laughs> you scare me. I don't want to hurt your feelings, make you mad, ruffle your feathers, anything. So if I, yes, amen. <laughs> Pat Bradford said the last time I preached that when I'm up here, I'm a different person, that I'm bold. And she's like, I like that person. It's a spiritual gift and we all have them. So I want to talk about some spiritual gifts. This is not a complete list. There are other lists that you can find in other ones, but, but I like this list. So there are some that seem to be more behind the scenes. Administration, which is organization, accomplishing tasks. There's evangelism, exhortation, which means encouragement. There's giving. There's helps. People that have the gift of helps, they see a need and they meet it. It's like Marlene Basker that likes to wash the dishes. I love that. There's hospitality. That's creating a warm environment, whether it's at your home or at a Christmas party in the admin building or like Jenny made a beautiful warm environment up front. The people that greet us when we come in, hospitality. There's intercession. Those people that pray, they're often behind the scenes. There's mercy, which is when you feel empathy and compassion for someone who is hurting. There's craftsmanship. There's service. And then there are some that seem to be more spiritual, like faith, the gift of faith, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, 
tongues, interpretation, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment. And then there are some that seem to be a little more upfront, like apostleship, leadership, pastors, shepherds, teaching, all kinds of gifts. And we all have at least one or perhaps more than one gift. And I found in my life that gifts can be seasonal. When my children were young, there was no time for this. <laughs> I was at home, and it was during that season where God really um, grew that gift of intercession in me. And even though we homeschooled, I could take them to prayer meetings on Fridays, give them some workbooks, and they sat and did school while I prayed for two hours. So gifts are seasonal. If you were in that season of little kids, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. Sometimes we can't do things if we're sick or infirm or, or we're building a business. So gifts are seasonal, but we all have gifts, and we are commanded to walk in them in the right season. So I don't want anyone to feel condemned if they're like at home with little children and can't hardly brush their teeth. It's true. It's true. And you can go on the internet and there, you can take different, there are different spiritual gift tests that you can take. One that I wrote, might be on your handout, giftstest.com was one that I looked at. And gifts can change. Gifts can change. Right now, intercession isn't one of my main gifts because God has moved me more into teaching. So gifts can change over the course of your life. That's what I believe anyway. That's what I've seen. So the, let's see. Oh, I loved this. Okay. So this is an audience. And if I would have had the time, I would have written the name of a gift on each seat. Because as I look out at you, what I see is each person filling a seat. In each seat, there are gifts. As I look at each one of you, every place that I look, every place my eyes land are people with gifts. There's no exceptions. There's no, well, God forgot me that day. And there's no disqualification. Like I was, just like Paul, I was the chief of sinners before I came to know Jesus. And I still Walk in spiritual gifts. So there's no, no disqualification. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a spiritual gift. And if you didn't have a neighbor, I'll say it. You have a spiritual gift. Every one of you. So let's turn. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. And we're going to look at verse 16. And I'm going to be reading this scripture from the New Living Translation because it just makes it make sense. All those versions with as each joint fitly together and all that, <laughs> that's hard to understand. This makes it very clear. So the context here is Paul is writing about Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. Okay, Jesus is the head. He's our head. Talking about Jesus, it says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Very clear, isn't it? It's very clear. So one thing that I learned in my last seminary class, we studied the New Testament and we learned different types of um, constructions that you find in the Bible, like a verse might be an explanation. It might be an if-then statement. There are all different things, all different ways the writers could present information. So I emailed my seminary professor because I thought this verse was an if-then, and he said yes. It's a conditional. For example, if I do not charge my phone at night, then it will be dead. True? True? <laughs> if I eat too much salty food for dinner, I'm going to be, then I'm going to be thirsty. Right? If you use a lot of salt, you're going to be thirsty. If I stay up till two in the morning, then I will be sleepy the next day. If, then. 
So in this verse, let's see, come back. Let's look at it this way. If, if each part does its own special work, then the other parts will grow. If each part does its own special work, then the other parts will grow. And then the result is the whole body will be healthy and growing and full of love. So what this means is that if you do your own special work, the rest of us can grow. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you do your own special work, the rest of us can grow. And as a result, the whole body will be healthy and growing and full of love. Now, the opposite of this is also true. If each part does not do its own special work and does not help the other parts grow, the whole body is not healthy, not growing, and not full of love. So let's think about this for a minute. If you're not doing your special work, I can't grow. I can't grow. If you're not doing your special work, this church we can't grow. And I'm not talking about numerically. I'm talking about spiritually. We can't grow in our gifts. We can't grow in our knowledge. We can't grow in wisdom or understanding or anything if you're not using your special gift because we're connected. One thing Pastor Tom pointed out to me, let's say if, if you have surgery and for a while you don't use some certain muscles, what happens they get stiff, and they atrophy, and they get smaller, and then they don't work so well. And then you're crippled. You're disabled because part of your body isn't working, and the rest of you can't function to its full potential because somebody, some part, for some reason, and we're not going to judge or condemn. I'm going to give you some hope, so don't sit there and be ashamed and guilty we're going to talk through this. But for some reason, if the body isn't doing its part, the body part isn't functioning, then the whole body is disabled. It's not healthy. It's not growing. And there ain't no love. Have you ever felt like that? There ain't no love? It's because each one is not doing their special part. If you believe in Jesus, you have, a special, you have a part. You have your own special work. Your own special work. You, even you, the, the younger ones, you have a special work. You have a gift. You have something to do. You have a part. You have a role in the kingdom of God. So if you don't do your special work, if you don't help the body grow, the church is unhealthy. It's unhealthy, and it's stagnant, and it's devoid of love. So if you do your part, we're growing, we're healthy, we're full of love. If you, if I, if we do not do our parts, we're unhealthy, and we're stagnant. Have you ever seen stagnant water? starts to grow algae and it stinks and it's murky, nasty. And have you ever been someplace where you knew there was no love? That's what happens when we don't use our gifts. In order for us to grow, we all have to do our part. The, even the fingernails and the spleen and the appendix and the ears and the eardrums. My daughter's studying audiology. I hear a whole lot about ears. She brings her little light and looks in my ears. All those little parts, the little hairs. Some of you, you're the hair in the ears. We all have to do our part so we can be healthy. 
So if for whatever reason right now you are not using your gift, if you're effectively sitting on your hands, you're not helping us grow. You're not helping your neighbor grow. Because we all grow together. If you're not doing your part, we're stuck. We're becoming sick. We're becoming stagnant. We're not growing. I need your gift to be healthy. I could not do this today without each one of you. I know I look strong, but y'all don't know the battle I fought just to get here today. My husband knows, and one close friend knows, that it was a battle just to get here today. But I had people texting me saying, I'm praying for you, Mary Esther, my intercessors, people that are behind the scenes praying. I had poor Dan putting up with me with all my technology and my iPhone. I had service. I had my daughter being empathetic to me and giving me a sip of her coffee and rubbing my back. I've had mentorship, leadership by a pastor who's been very wise with me. The first time about four years old, four years ago, maybe five, when I asked him to preach, he said, let's maybe start with a Wednesday night Bible study. <laughs> like, he was so wise. Whoo, he was so wise. <laughs> I was a wreck that first Wednesday night Bible study, but I've grown. He's mentored me. He's helped me to grow. All kinds of you have made me successful, and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. The encouragers. All kinds of people. I found a great example. So this is Ranger the German Shepherd. Isn't he cute? I read about him on Fox News. He is perpetually a puppy. He's always a puppy. He's always a puppy. He's a puppy. He's a puppy. He's going to, you know, get into the trash cans, and he's going to tear up stuffed animals. He's always going to be a puppy and look like a puppy, and he's never going to look like a full-grown dog. Never, because this is what he's supposed to look like. That is a full-grown German shepherd. There's Ranger, two years old, perpetually a puppy. Why? His pituitary gland isn't working. He's always going to be a puppy. Now, what's the analogy there? If in our body, if there's one little part, an unseen little part, like the pituitary gland that isn't working, we're always going to be immature. We're always going to be not growing. We're never going to mature because a, a, a very key part, and I don't even know who you are, but if there's a very key part that does not walk in their spiritual gift and do what God has called them to do so that this body, the body in our community, the body of Christ as a whole can be healthy, we're always going to be immature. We're not going to grow. As each one does their special part, it helps the body grow so that, so that we can be healthy and growing and full of love. If you're the pituitary gland and you're not doing your part, we're not going to grow. What that means is we need you. I need you to grow. We need you to grow, to mature, to become like Jesus. We need each other to do our special work. Even if it's, you know, I don't like taking out the trash. Now, I'll do a lot of things in this church, but when, it, when those big trash cans are full of trash, I just ignore those. I just flat out ignore them. I'm not getting anywhere near that. I need, you know, somebody like Doug to come and take out the trash. I do, I do things, but that's one. I just can't do that. Now I'm distracted. <laughs> but we all need to do our part. Even the small roles, like taking out the trash, praying, just giving a kind word, doing the camera, setting up communion, just holding a friend's hand, going to somebody and praying for them, being empathetic, giving mercy. Mercy is so hard for me. You have gifts I don't. We all have individual gifts, and we all need to do our part so that our body 
will grow. Come back. Okay. I think I've made my point. So if we're not using our gifts, if we're not, the body of Christ is disabled. We need what you have. We need what you have. Because the world needs what we have. This is not about the four walls of Global River Church. Why do we need to grow? So that we can tell people about Jesus. Paul said he was called to preach the good news. That grace alone was given to him to preach the good news. His spiritual gift wasn't for him to stand in front of a mirror and talk to himself. It was to preach the good news. Your gift, whatever it is, is enabling the gospel to go forth. Whether it's prayer, taking out the trash, washing dishes, painting flags, teaching children. Your gift, your part is important because together we come together and the gospel goes forth. It goes out of these walls It goes to other countries. It goes out to our streets. It goes to your neighbor. It goes to Walmart. It goes on the internet to our live stream viewers. We all play a part. The world needs what we have. Now, we're commanded not to neglect our spiritual gifts. That was the command that Paul wrote to Timothy, his spiritual son. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. For Timothy, it was bestowed on him through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. It was an imparted gift. Something that is neglected is uncared for. You don't pay attention to it. It's abandoned, forsaken, run down, uncultivated. So I want to think about you if you already know the areas where God has gifted you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how to discover those. But are your areas of giftedness, are they abandoned? Are they forsaken? Are they run down? Are they uncultivated? The opposite of that is to cherish your gifts, to cultivate your gifts, to work in your gifts, to treasure them, to value them. For me, I love to talk. But I have worked hard every time. They said, will you make the announcements? Yes, I will. Because every time I came on the stage and held a microphone, I learned something. I grew. I go to conferences. I record myself speaking. And oh my gosh, at the beginning, it was horrible. I kept doing this. And each body, each part, and I kept doing all these. And the last time I preached, I played with my necklace. So today I'm not wearing a necklace. I watch every time so I can learn. And hopefully not do the same thing again. But we have to cultivate our gifts, care about them, work at them. So, why do we neglect our gifts? I came up with three main reasons. The first is deception. And what this means is the enemy has convinced you and you believe that you have no gifts. Everyone else does, but you got left out. Secondly is uncertainty. Another way you can term this is ignorance. That, that word has a negative connotation, but it means just not knowing. It's a not knowing. It's an uncertainty. You believe you have gifts, but you don't know what they are. And then there's fear and doubt. It's where you know you have gifts, but you feel inadequate. Let me tell you, that is a common feeling, inadequate, and you're afraid to use them. So let's talk through those. Deception. On your handout, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 11, we read this. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So I think I've convinced you, I hope, that we all have a gift or more than one. But the devil knows that he can lie to us and tell us we have no gift or that what we have doesn't matter. He's cunning. He knows that if we sit on our hands and don't use our gift, the body won't grow, the gospel won't go forth, the kingdom won't advance. 
The devil knows this. And so he lies to us. Through comparison, I think is a big thing that he uses. Bill Johnson certainly has a spiritual gift. Beth Moore, she's got a spiritual gift too. She's a teacher. Look at Mike Thornton, an evangelist. But then we look at ourselves and we think, oh my gosh. I mean, I'll be honest, as I have wanted to step into a role of preaching, I have looked at Mike Thornton and I've thought, that man can preach. I can't do that. I'm sweet. (laughs) I'm afraid of people. I don't want to step on toes. And so for me, I just, I remember driving down College Road just saying, God, if you want to give me the gift of preaching, I'll take it. If you want to give it to me, I'll take it. If not, I'm good. I'll stay sweet and teach Bible studies because that's needed too. But we look at other people and we say, well, they've got gifts and I don't. Or theirs matters and mine doesn't. But look at these people. Wow. Tony and Bill and Ayers and Christy, Delphina, Pat. When I get on the stage, I forget names. Tracy, Carrie, Mike, Daniel, and Alicia. I got them all. Wow. You know what? Each of those people have gifts too, just as important as the Bill Johnsons and the Beth Moores and the Michael Thorntons. Just as important. All kinds of gifts. Each one has a gift. Everyone, if I could have made a ginormous picture and found all of you with really nice profile pictures on Facebook, you'd all be there. You had to have one that I could, you know, crop and edit. All of those people have gifts. Now, the other thing is sometimes we know we have gifts, but we feel like our gift doesn't matter. When I first started writing my blog, I would look at other bloggers like Michelle Kashat or Lisa Turkhurst, and they had huge audiences, and they wrote the best posts And I remember I was driving up I-40 and just praying and crying out to God. And I was like, God, what I have to say doesn't matter. And Holy Spirit corrected me. And he reminded me all the way back to when I was in elementary school and I was always the smallest and I always got picked the last for the kickball team. Always the last because I was small and I was not strong and I was not athletic. And that caused me to feel like I don't matter. And so I would feel like what I had to say doesn't matter. And even two weeks ago, I was wrestling with, do I make a difference? Even if I say something, am I making a difference? Am I making an impact? So we feel inadequate. And we feel like we don't matter. And the devil uses that to convince us to just don't even try. Don't even write any, you know, he tells me, don't even write anything. You've only got 180 people that are going to read it, maybe. But you matter because you never know the one person whose life you might touch when you use your gift. You never know. You never know. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 16 might be on your, I think that's on your sheet. And I'm going to read it in the New Living. It says, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less a part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less? So there are no less than gifts. There are no less than gifts. They are all gifts. All gifts. Some might be more behind the scenes. Some might be more spiritual. Some might be more out front. But there's no ranking. There's no like, well, Tom was obedient, so I'm going to let him be the preacher. And you know, there's no ranking. There's they're all they're all equal. They're all of equal weight. If my gift was an ounce of gold, yours is too. Yours is too. They are all of equal weight and equal importance. We're all laid upon the foundation. We are the living stones built together into the body of Christ. So this is on your handout. 
This is what you have to learn to say to yourself. God's word says that I have a gift. My gift matters. It matters. Your gift matters. The devil will come and say it doesn't matter. It matters. It makes a difference. It's important. It's of value. You weren't skipped or left out or you weren't absent the day God gave out gifts. You've got one. And it matters. You have to say that to yourself over and over because the devil's always going to say it's not important. It doesn't make a difference. You have a gift and it matters. Here's a great quote from Oswald Chambers. He said, one individual life may be of priceless value to God's purposes and yours may be that life. Yours may be that life. Even you. God can use even you. I struggle with anxiety. God can use me. God can use me. You may struggle with something and you may think it disqualifies you. It does not. Whatever you struggle with, God can use you in spite of it. His grace is sufficient for you. What you're seeing right now is power perfected in weakness. That's all this is. That's all this is. This is God's power perfected in my weakness. Because on my own strength, I can't do anything. Yours may be that life. You have a gift and it matters. This is on your handout, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so the second one is uncertainty. This is on your handout. What if you, well, let me give you an example first. My children were raised in the information age. Like in, if you're in our kitchen and you want to know the weather, you ask the Alexa, what's the weather? Or you could pick up your iPhone and say, hey, Siri, what's the weather going to be in Chicago tomorrow? You could go to Google and look something up. I had my twins. <laughs> She's listening. Thank you, Siri. Okay. Yeah, expect rain starting in the afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Told you. I had my nieces with me some over the summer, and they were not raised in the same technology-advanced environment. They didn't have um, customer support, <laughs> IT, my husband and, and my children. Yes, all of my family except me is very technologically advanced. But I had to teach them, what do you do if you want to know the weather? What do you do if you want to know what the price of train tickets is to Charlotte? All summer, you ask Google. Like, I just hammered it. You ask Google. If you don't know, you ask Google. You Google it. I mean, that, you Google it. That's how, I, that's how you find out things in this age. You ask somebody, or you can very quickly ask Google. So for you, what if you, now you've been convinced, you know you have a special gift, how do you find out what it is? You could ask Google. You could say, give me a spiritual gifts test. And just like that, you could do a spiritual gifts test. And just so you know, there are some that will list the charismatic gifts and others that will not. So you need to be careful which one you're, you're looking for. How do you find out? So I've got some questions that are on your handout. First are just some, some honest questions. What is your driving passion? What is your driving passion? Let's see, it's not on the screen. What is your driving passion? What do you enjoy? One author called that the gifts that make your heart sing. What things make you happy when you're doing them? Maybe it's baking food for somebody. Maybe it's decorating. Maybe it's praying for someone. Maybe it's encouraging someone. Maybe it's like Miss Evelyn and Miss Addie and it's giving those hugs. It's encouraging. What do other people, there might be a typo there. What do other people think you do well? What do other people say you do well? Like there have been some people that I've noticed are good speakers, and I've nominated them to do announcements. I think I've almost worked myself out of a job. But they do it well, and I would say, hey, I think this person, 
does well speaking with a microphone. So ask people, hey, what do you think I do well? What do people say about you that you do well? Now, you could also look at what breaks your heart. What breaks your heart? What makes you sad? Is it orphan children, abused women, the homeless, people in jail? Your burden is the things that break your heart. And this was a great quote that I heard on a podcast. I had to stop it and rewind it and write it down. This is, again, Rebecca Lyons. She says, your calling, and I'm going to use that word loosely because that's a whole other teaching. I'm just going to use it loosely. Your calling, where God wants you to serve, is where your talents and your burdens collide. It's where they, they run together. It's like when you learned in um, economics, supply and demand or whatever. It's where they, they meet. For example, for me, I remember praying with a woman up here on, at the altar about five years ago. And, excuse me, she shared with me privately. And I'd known her for years. We had worshipped together up front for years. And she shared with me privately that she was suffering verbal abuse at home from her husband. It broke my heart because all these years I had talked to her, hugged her, been with her, smiled at her, and I never knew. And so my burden is to create safe places where people can say I'm struggling, just where people can be honest. That's why we started the pursuit group that Jan is continuing where people come and share testimonies and teach, and it's just a safe place to say, hey, I don't have it together yet. <laughs> I'm not like Jesus yet, but there's hope that I'm going to get there. That was my burden. So that was my burden. My talent is I can hold a microphone and speak, and so as I travel around and speak, I'm sharing my own weaknesses so that I'm a safe place where somebody can say, hey, I know you're not going to judge me, but I tried to kill myself this week. I, that's my burden, is to create places where people can be honest, where they're struggling so they can get help. This is another way to look at it. One circle, what breaks your heart most about the world? The other circle, your unique talents, skills, and gifts. Where they intersect is where God is calling you to make a difference. We all have talents and a gift. We all have something that breaks our heart that we want to see changed. Sometimes it's critical, like we think, well, if I was leading the children's ministry, I was, blah, blah, blah. maybe God's called you to help and serve. <laughs> you know, there's, there's infinite things we can do. Rebecca Lyons, again, she says, when you use the gifts that make your heart sing, that's the things that make you happy. To redeem the things that break your heart, therein lies calling. It's that intersection. Like Mary Esther, what makes her heart sing is worship and warfare. Her, what would you say your burden is? Putting you on the spot. Yeah, people that are abused and put down. So she's, she's warring for those people. She's warring. She's warring for those people. So lastly, let's talk about doubt and fear. Oh, I don't want to go yet. So once you know your gift, you fight that battle with doubt. You fight a battle with doubt and insecurity. <laughs> for me, I had the hardest time saying, I have a ministry. It's still hard like to physically say, I have a ministry. Even though I've been traveling and speaking, that's called a speaking ministry. But I would say that and I would hear, who said, who said? Who said you could do that? <laughs> who gave you permission? Who said? The enemy is always saying, who said? Did God really say? He's sowing doubt and insecurity and fear in our minds. Who gave you permission? Who said you were good at that? He's always doing that. That is a battle we have to fight. Mentors are helpful. I know Arlene Casola told me, you are a gifted communicator. And I had, to, I had to read it this morning and remind myself again. 
I'm a gifted communicator. It's a gift. I mean, the, I have to be anointed to do it. But there's a gift. Because the enemy will create doubt. That's where being apprenticed by someone who's already using that gift will help you, like Joshua coming under Brian for a long time, learning how to do prophetic artwork. But then there's a place (laughs) where in spite of the insecurity, the inadequacy, the weakness and everything, you have to take a step of courage. You have to step out in faith and say, I am terrified to do this, but if I'm going to get from point A to point B, which is where God has called me, I'm going to step. I'm going to just step out in faith. And it's terrifying. Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. That is courage. That is what it means to be brave, like Mary Esther speaking when she doesn't feel comfortable or Chrissy Garris sharing her art. Anyone who dances, it takes courage. It can be scary, but you have to take that next step of faith. Excuse me. I'm terrified of flying. I have been since 1994. And I've talked about it. I've told you why before in Bible studies. But God showed me this past summer that to triumph over my fear, I'm a brave person who has to do that thing. And I decided I'm going to fly because I'm going to overcome this fear. And the only way to overcome a fear of flying is to fly. You have to get on a plane. I know Nilsa's going to be sitting beside me. I feel sorry for her if she comes back. <laughs> you know, she might have some scars for me. <laughs> but I'm going to do it because sometimes to get, I know to get where God's calling me, I have to fly. Costa Rica, going with the team in January. Another great quote. Courage is simply the willingness to be afraid and act anyway. So if you know what your gift is, and you're ready to step out, I do what I call baby steps of obedience. I just take a little step, and then I wait. And usually I'm terrified when I'm taking that step, like, Pastor Willie and Nilsa, I'm available to preach in Spanish if you need me. I just take a little step, and I wait. I don't push. I just say I'm available. I put on Facebook, I'm taking bookings for speaking in January. If anybody needs a speaker. I remember a few years ago, I sent out um, this sheet that I have about my speaking ministry. I sent it to everybody in my Christmas card. Terrifying, but I did it. I don't know what steps you have to take. You might ask someone, can I do this? Can you teach me how? Will you mentor me? Will you teach me how to do this? Will you meet with me for coffee because I have an area where I want to grow? You might have to start out by Confessing some sin. I tell you, growth is a journey. It's a journey, but the journey is made up of what I call baby steps of obedience. And you take them blindfolded on a tightrope. Okay, God, I'm going to take the next step. I don't know where I'm going, don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to step. Because he's holding your hand and he won't let you fall. There is something in your heart that terrifies you that you know God is calling you to do. Be brave. I know it's scary. It's scary for me, but you have to do it. You grow, and you help people. It's not about you. It's not about you making a fool of yourself, asking somebody, hey, can I pray for you? It's about God using you and growing the kingdom. There are ministries in this church that are lacking because you're afraid. There are outreaches to this community that are missing because you feel inadequate and you're uncertain. There are differences to be made in the world that won't be made because you think you don't have a gift. And you're the one that God has given that gift to to make a difference. You might be the next Heidi Baker and you don't even know it. You might be Reinhard Bonnke who saw, I don't know how many, come to Jesus. That might be you. Why not? 
Why not you? Why not you? That's one thing I've had to t- tell to myself. Why not me? Why couldn't God use me? Why not? Why not you? I made a business card, and it's in my car, and it reminds me of who I am. I wrote on there that I was a preacher. <laughs> Lisa Morgan Moore, preacher, <laughs> writer, blogger, speaker. It, it was amazing when my nieces were with me, they're 20, I would hold it up, and I would preach at them in the car, and I would say, this card says I'm a preacher, so I'm a preach. This gives me license to preach to you. I preached a lot of sermons in the car, to, you know, hundreds of miles we drove together. But why not you? Why couldn't God use you? If he can use me when I have a hard time just getting to church, he can use you. He can use you. Let's close with some application. First, find out your gifts. I've given you some questions you can ask yourself. They're spiritual gifts tests. Ask others what they think you're good at. Grow. If you have a gift of cooking and hospitality, watch cooking videos. Have people over. Try it out. See how it works. Learn from your mistakes. Grow. Do something. A lot of people will say, well, my gift's going to make room for me. I'm just going to wait for somebody to ask me to come and do this or that. You're going to be waiting. You have to take a humble, little, teachable baby step and then say, hey, how'd that go? You have to grow. That's what it means to to grow. Tell someone your gift. That's a big thing. If the devil's saying you don't have a gift, if you go to somebody today and say, my gift is mercy. Well, you've just broken his power. The next time he lies, he's not as powerful because you've taken that bold step and you've said, I'm a teacher. I walk in mercy. I help people. I'm a leader. I I do administration. I create things. Tell someone your gift. It's terrifying. I have a ministry. Tell someone. Find someone with the same gift and learn from them. There are people that I pursue to mentor me so that I can learn from them. I have a speaking mentor. I have Arlene who keeps me on track spiritually, I hope. I have Pastor Tom. I ask him for feedback. Be teachable and ask people to help you. Most of the time they'll say, yes, I'll help you because that's what we're told to do. The older people are supposed to raise up the younger people. And then lastly, I just want to encourage you as we approach the new year, set what I call a scary goal. What is one baby step of faith or one leap that you could take to grow in your gift, to use your gift, to ask someone, hey, can I do this? It is terrifying. But you have to do it so that we as a body can grow, so that I can grow, and Bill can grow, and Pastor Tom can grow. So all of you can grow. We each have to do our part. If we do our own special work, then the body will grow. The body will be healthy and growing and full of love. You have a gift. Why not you? Why not you? Father, I just ask For each one, God, that you would cut through the lies of the enemy that says they don't matter, that they're disqualified, they have no gift, they're left out, they're not important, that it couldn't be them. God, would you speak the truth to each heart, God, that each person has one or more gifts. You are calling us to use them to build up the body of Christ so that the world may know that Jesus reigns. That Jesus gives salvation. That Jesus is the only way to God. That Jesus is coming soon. God, would each one use their gifts so that the kingdom of God would advance on the earth. That your kingdom would come. God, I just impart a courage into each one to take baby steps of obedience. To overcome fear. To walk it out. To grow. I impart courage to do it afraid, to do it anyway. And God, I thank you that as we do things that scare us, 
every time it gets easier because we grow and we develop muscles and we learn your faithfulness, God. We learn your faithfulness, God, that when we step out in faith and courage, you do not stand us up. You show up every single time because you're faithful. God, encourage these today that they have a gift. Holy Spirit, help them find their gifts. Give them the courage to use them so that our body could grow, so that I can grow, so that we can all grow. Your kingdom would grow. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lisa. Wow. If you could uh, stand with me, thank you, Lisa. I, uh, I would encourage you on your handout where she asks the questions to help you determine your gifts, what's your driving passion. Um, if you would like a spiritual gifts test, spirit-filled one, we have them. In fact, we just had 26 that were part of our newcomers meetings that we did uh, last month and uh, between Spanish and English, and we handed those out, and several of you took them tests. But I'd encourage you, what is your driving passion? What do you enjoy? What breaks your heart? I wrote down, this is during, the t during this teaching, I said, I love to lead teams to defeat the devil and see people get free. That's why we do prayer ministry every week. Uh, I, I, I love it. We're getting ready, you know, we're taking a team to Costa Rica. We've already bought our tickets. That team's sit. Um, but we're going to go to Colombia the end of June, first part of July. We haven't set the dates, but we've had... Uh, several pastors, the president of a group of 22 pastors in the Amazon region where Peru, Brazil, and Colombia come together, Leticia. And they've said there's so much witchcraft in that area between San La Muerte, the voodoo of Peru, uh, the, uh, the cult of death that comes out of Brazil, Macumba. We need you to come and help us and encourage us. Each of the villages, all of the pastors and the leaders there are being cursed. I said, that can't be right. That can't be right. Something burns in me because I've seen it in the nations. And so I'd ask you to go this week and ask the Lord, what is it that burns in me? Is it the House of Mercy ministry? I can't, my heart breaks every time I see a single mother come in who says the water's been turned off in the house. I don't have any food for my children. The ones that come in addicted and broken. Ask the Lord where you are to put your feet in this house. Because there's been some, I had a word this morning that is so big, it just blows my hair off about what's going to happen here. And part of me is like, Lord, I don't want to get ahead of you, and I don't want to be pride. But if, if Abner came, people have come, and they said, you know, the roof's coming off. But it is not going to happen unless you and I step into what God's called us to do. So I'm challenging you right now. You've heard the word this morning. There are no pew sitters allowed in the church anymore. Find your place. Find your place. And if you're out there on the live stream and you don't have a house, come find a place where you can pull on the rope. Come on. So let's just ask the Lord right now. Father, I pray for downloads. I pray for dreams and visions. Revelation, people walking up to you, that God will be inspired. 2020 is going to be a year where God is going to do some amazing things with us if we will help Him in the midst of it and step into where we're going. Get in the boat. We're going to the other side. <laughs> so, Lord, I thank you right now. I want to invite the ministry team, if you'll come. If you're not sure about that, pray with someone this morning. For the Lord to bring a revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Paul said. He, he said, I pray that you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because there will be a day you'll stand before him just like I did. Did you do what I asked you to do? So, Lord, I'm asking you. Now, this is not condemnation and it's not manipulative. It is just ask the Lord. Don't only do what he tells you to do. So, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Thank you for your word this morning, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. Don't miss out. Men's group Monday night. We've got uh, Pursuit, I think, Tuesday night, the, the uh, ladies' group getting together. And also Wednesday night, John G. Lake. You want to know about miracles? Come listen to that guy. God bless you all.